Welcome to the Consecrating Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Elena Aborto. Today, my guest is my aunt, Sandra Blanco. Sandra was born in Nicaragua. She grew up in San Francisco and has lived in Harlem, New York City. She is a dancer and has always been part of a dance group, mainly Caribbean and Nicaraguan. She lives in California with her 13-year-old daughter and a poodle named Nipsey. She works full-time as a business visa and passport specialist and attends Arizona State University to complete her BA in communication. Today we're going to be discussing a pretty heavy topic, but I feel that this is really important and relevant and everyone needs to be educated on this topic. So what's new with you? So I recently got a dog. He's a poodle. Um, His name is Nipsey and he's about eight months old now. And I am learning how to be the most patient I have ever been in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He is a lot of work. He has way too much energy. When I got him, um, I was going through a lot in my life. Um, It was in 2020, the pandemic and many other things that I have been going through, life changes. And so I thought, oh, he's going to help me to... Um, you know, give me uh, support. I can play with him. I can go on walks for him. But this has been the complete opposite. I mean, he stresses <laughs> me out every day. <laughs> um, I never imagined that something or a dog could stress me out in this way. But um, I'm learning a lot. And that's the good thing about it. Oh, man. I love it. Okay, so today we were going to talk about abuse, and if you hear me laughing, it's because of the dog Nipsey in the background. It's not because of the subject matter. Okay, I'm going to define what abuse is. Abuse is the mistreatment of someone physically or emotionally. I trust that my audience knows what physical abuse probably looks like, so let's talk about emotional abuse for a second because that's more subtle. Emotional abuse means that you just don't care about somebody's feelings really so it could look like a myriad of different things it could look like when somebody makes unreasonable demands on you it could look like somebody who doesn't care about your opinion it could look like someone who is just really sarcastic and publicly embarrasses you it could look like name calling or yelling insults of your appearance or pushing your buttons. It can involve threats, unpredictability, like they'll, the person can just explode out of nowhere. It could look like using another person, jealousy, just so many different things. We're only going to be talking about men who are abusive, but women can be abusive too. Do you want to tell me your story on abuse? Let's see. It's been, I mean, I've experienced um, different types in relationships that I've been in. Um, And my first one, unfortunately, was when I was in high school, when I was a junior in high school. I had um, a boyfriend. Things were physically um, abusive and, you know, obviously verbally abusive. That was pretty much like the first, you know, my first experience of that. And I was so young. I was only 16. Um, And I felt that 
it was normal. You know, the part of the culture that I grew up in in Karawa is just kind of acceptable to kind of um, live like that, you know, um, where there's abuse, um, verbal, physical, I mean, everything. It was all around me when I grew up. Um, not necessarily in my household, but across the street, next door, and things like that, you know, um, where the husbands or the boyfriends would abuse the young women, the women that lived in the house. And so um, for me, it was kind of like normal. I thought, I actually thought, you know, when I was young, that it was part of love to go through that, that it means that the guy really loves you um, when he does something like that. When did you realize that you were being abused if you grew up with that mindset? Not until I was older. I, if I have to pick an age, I'm 48 now. Um, mm-hmm. I would say I was in my late 20s when I realized that it was not okay. Because, you know, when you're young, you're still learning. You know, when you're even in your early 20s, you think that you know um, things, but your mind develops, you know, after you turn 25, 30, 35, like at those ages, I've always had like major breakthroughs um, and where I have learned more about myself. And so I would say after I was 25, you know, I learned things about me and things that I have been through that were not okay. And I realized that's when I realized that they were not okay. Part of it is too that, you know, I grew up by myself because I um, was living on my own when I was 17, when my family, you know, moved. Um, and so I didn't really have much guidance. So what are some signs of a potentially abusive partner when it comes to dating? Because that's like one of my biggest fears. So I would love for you to educate me on that. Yes. Um, one of the biggest <laughs> signs is jealousy. <laughs> Nipsey wants to be part of the podcast. Um <laughs> Yes, um, jealousy. So um, sometimes jealousy feels like the guy is in love with you. You know, um, like as a girl, you know, that wants attention, you know, it feels like so good to meet like a new guy. So for example, um, one, um, actually, um, the two times that I've experienced that those type of abusive relationships, both guys were um, very jealous extremely possessive. I mean, they would follow me everywhere. They would watch my every move. And I was in at that time when I didn't know, I used to think, oh, wow, that he really cares about me, what I'm doing. Or you might think, oh, he's here because he wants to carry my books to my next class. He's here because, um, you know, he um, is interested on how my day is going, but really, they're really just like obsessively stalking me. there is a very fine line in that that sometimes you don't you don't see if you've never experienced it you know Mm -hmm. so if you have a guy that's calling you too much that's questioning questioning everything that you do too much if you have a guy that is saying oh why do you wear your hair in a bun you should wear it down um when you Mm -hmm. paint your nails paint them pink i like the color pink like no no man no boy should ever be you know that um critical of like how you look you know and it starts softly like that and then it advances to bigger levels of 
abuse? For me, what's scary about it is that when someone's abusive, they're not abusive 100% of the time. Like maybe 90% of the time, they're really charming and that's why you fall for them. But the other times, it's abusive and it's dangerous. You know what I mean? Like that's what scares me about it. That's true. That's true. But, you know, we have intuition. Your intuition will always tell you, you know, it will always tell you, will always know, you will always feel some kind of like anxiety, you know, or uncomfortable, you know, um, when you're being treated a certain way. And that's what you have to connect your brain to and, and realize, okay, this doesn't feel good to me. I don't, I don't feel I'm not being treated well. Yeah, I need to trust that instinct more. Yeah, however, you know, um, you're fortunate that you have come from a very close-knit family, um, immediate family in your home, and you've always had, you know, your parents and your siblings um, and other people around you, but a lot of girls don't have that. That's true. A lot, you know, I would say... If I have to put a number on it, like you said, I would say 90% of girls don't have that. Even if they're living in their, you know, in the home with their parents, they don't get the attention or they don't get the guidance that they need to be aware of those things. So you, um, I think you will probably know if that was to happen to you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I something that's helped me to recognize red flags in relationships is just if I talk to my parents about it, because they I mean, I'm the one who's in love with the guy or whatever, but they're able to see problems if they're if any of them arise, you know what I mean? Yes. I was wondering, how have you been able to cope with your experiences with abuse? Because it's very traumatizing. So how do you heal from that? After I turned 40, um, I feel like a lot of things that I have been through that were traumatizing to me have surfaced, you know, in my 40s. And this is where I've had to deal with a lot of different, you know, um, health, mental health problems, you know, with anxiety, PTSD. Um, so um, I, it, it just surfaced. A lot of things just surfaced at this age for me. And so the way that I've coped with it, you know, I, now I'm older, I understand, you know, it doesn't feel good to have anxiety or PTSD um, feelings and things like that from the past. And so um, I do yoga, meditation, I pray, pray a lot, a lot, you know, I talk to God a lot. I mean, in many times it's been every day, every day, I would have this ritual where, you know, I had to drive to work right now because of the pandemic, I'm not driving to work. But every day when I drive to work, I'm grateful. I thank God for everything that I have, first and foremost. And then second, um, you know, I, I talk to him and I ask him to help me to feel better and to give me the strength to figure out how to deal with everything, you know. And I also have a therapist, so... There's many things you can do. Exercising also. That's awesome. So you also volunteered at an organization for women and children who have suffered from abuse. So what was that like? It was very rewarding. You know, I have um, a very special place in my heart for um, 
women and children issues. Um, I am very protective of women and children, especially those that, that have less than us or that have been abused. And so since I was 24, I have been volunteering um, for many years at different organizations. Um, there was one in Oakland when I lived in Oakland and I volunteered there for about 10 years. I loved it. You know, I learned so much about how to deal with it too. And maybe that was part of my healing process now that I'm thinking about it, you know. Um, but it was mostly um, young girls and they were from low-income families. Um, <clears throat> and they had many different situations going on and we would meet every Saturday for about two to three hours. While I was there, you know, I was, I was fine. I was doing everything, all the activities that we would plan for them and give them opportunities to talk and be able to get out the traumas that they had. So we used to do a lot of activities around that. Um, but when I would get home, I would always have a migraine every Saturday because it's painful, you know? Mm -hmm. I also volunteered when I lived in New York. I volunteered at a homeless shelter for women and, and, and children that have been abused. And I remember this one uh, little girl, she was about maybe about five years old. I don't remember her name, but I just know that whenever I would come in into the, um, the activity room, she would always just jump on my lap and then she would hold on to me like this the whole time. You know, she just like put her chest on me and her head here. And the whole time she didn't want to draw, she didn't want to read, she didn't want nothing. She just wanted to be held. Um, and so that's all I did was hold her. Um, but the instructors at the place told me that, you know, she needed to do a lot more than just that, that she needed to learn how to do the activities. So it was tough because she refused to do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, those are some of the things that, that I've experienced that I, I, I just, I love doing that. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I love that you said that that was part of your healing process is helping others with, with their traumas, you know. That can help you. I am an elementary school teacher right now. So what are some signs that can indicate that my students might be being abused at home? Definitely look out for um, body language. Body language is 90% of our communication at least. And if you watch out for certain body language, you, for me, um, I'm so attached to this subject because I've lived it, you know, and I've um, experienced working with others that I can meet someone for five minutes and be in the same room and look at their body language for maybe a minute and I know that they have gone through something. So one of the examples is like, um, if you sit like this and you're closed off, if, you know, the children are like this all the time and... Yeah, sitting with their arms crossed. Yeah. It's a podcast, that's why I have to describe what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. I forgot. <laughs> they um, are protecting themselves, you know, so they are crossing their, uh -huh. their, their arms around their body like that and they sit like that all the time or... They don't have, um, they try not to have eye contact. You know, some children might be shy, right? But there's just something, their body language, you, 
there's something about the body language. And so I would strongly encourage you to study that, the body language of abuse in order for you to become aware of those things. How do you suggest that we teach families about recognizing abuse or 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 fighting it I guess so like for example something that my mom has said is that we should tell children to say no like don't don't touch me there or something like that you know is there anything else you can think of yes one thing is um that I I have been guilty of is you know um, my daughter if I introduce her to people um friends that I have I always tell her give them a hug say hi because in Nicaragua, that's part of our culture, and I, I still hold on to that when I see someone, I give them a kiss on the cheek and I hug them, you know, um, or I always hug them. And um, and I know that, you know, in other activities like at church, you're also kind of like forced to hug people sometimes, you know, or um, just family gatherings, any kind of events, you know, and you're like, oh, just hug them. So. Um, I don't force my my daughter or children to, you know, to hug somebody if they don't want to. I actually heard something, too, that someone wrote a post um, against, you know how, like, during Christmas time, there's, like, a Santa and you kind of force your child to sit on his lap? I feel like yes. that is not... Yeah, creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. <laughs> I've never liked that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a very, very good example. Mm-hmm. And they're so close to his face. Oh, yeah. You know, I that's too close <laughs> to a true. strange first man, mm-hmm. you know, for a little boy and a little girl. Yeah, it's true. Yes. Many things like that that we have in our society that we're not even aware of, that right. don't think, you know. I ask all my guests this question, and it is, what does it mean to you to consecrate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? So um, the way that I do that is by helping others. You know, I've always felt that I have a gift to, um, it is my, my, my duty, my, it's my purpose in life to help others, you know, and so that's why I've always volunteered you know, I've been told many times by many friends that um, I have this, I'm very approachable and that I'm easy to talk to and, and that I listen. Um, and so that is how I, I do it, you know, I, I, how I dedicate my life to God because um, I believe in always helping others. Well, thanks so much for doing this. You're so awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks to my Aunt Sandra for doing the podcast with me, and thank you for listening and being willing to listen to her experience. I hope that you continue to educate yourself on this topic. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating, comment, or subscribe, and we'll see you next time.